And I remember a, a, a whole lot of times when I've sat down with a leadership team and said, so pick, pick one. Do you want revenue, profit, or market share? And they're like, oh, we want all of those. And you're like, well, those are entirely different strategies. I mean, if you want market share, then we can sell it for a dollar and get a lot of market share. You know, if you want profits, then we can sell it for a million dollars and get a lot of profits, but it will only sell one. Uh, and it's just kind of like quick, easy, or fast. No, quick, easy, cheap. You know, which, which one or two of those quick do you two, want? Yeah. Welcome to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week, a podcast that explores product management and leadership topics through interactive conversations with our product leader panelists. Conversations that will challenge you to think about your thoughts on the topic and perhaps get you to change your mind. I am Grant Hunter, co-founder of Product Growth Leaders and the host and facilitator for these conversations. Listen, subscribe, and add your voice to the conversation every week in the Product Growth Leaders community. Hello, everybody. Grant Hunter here for another Product Growth Leaders topic of the week. This week, you know, this week, Steve, I decided to go all, you know, big question. You know, you know Jason was like, oh, these questions are too. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go big. I'm going to ask a question that's going to need clarification. And nobody asked for clarification. We all know how you think. <laughs> I'm going to need to start up in my game. I, I don't know. But we asked the question, why product management? You know, we had the great session a while back on what is a product. And it just sort of got people talking about all these things. But why product management? You know, I, there were some great takes. I, I'm, I'm excited to have our panel today. Obviously, my partner, co-founder, Steve Johnson, the legend, I'm sorry, pioneer of product management. Uh, and with us, we got two of our regular panelists, Joy McCaffrey and Calvin Marshall. And we have, we've got a first time panelist who has actually came in guns blazing this week uh, in, in the answers in the community, Paul Hatala. So welcome you guys. And let's, why don't we do that? Why don't we get started with talking about that question we put in on Monday? Why does an organization, of course, I find all my typos when we do this call. Why does an organization <laughs> need product management? Uh, and Joy, I'm going to start with you. Can you can you talk me through your answer? I really wanted to be first. I was so disappointed that Jason beat me when well, I. Shh, shh. They don't know that because as for this, you're first. I'm I'm putting you first because <laughs> of your answer was perfect. Um, because it's, it just struck me as hilarious. <laughs> To, to even ask that question. <laughs> so, you know, for those yeah. who haven't who haven't been in the community, seen it, Joy's answer was, "Why does an organization need product management?" <laughs> is it that? Is it that straightforward to you? Yeah, yeah. It is. Have you ever been in an organization that was not that straightforward before, or it was always straightforward? They needed it. <laughs> I've been in many organizations where I was the first product manager and nobody knew what product management was, why they hired a product manager, what I was to be doing, why was I asking the questions that I'm asking, why am I doing what I'm doing? That's happened many, many times. Um, not to say that they didn't need one. <laughs> I just had a conversation with one of my clients. It was the design team. The design team had been playing the role of pro most of the role of product management. You know, Steve likes to tell the story about they had, yeah, literally full S SVGA code <laughs> in requirements. Uh, and so this call was product, the new VP of product who uh, Steve has met, Amy Corkery. She's in our emerging leaders uh, peer group. Uh, Amy Sabrina, who's the product manager and the, the design, head of design and his, his lead. And I was like, not, they're like, changing our process and all this stuff. And they're like, no, this is exactly what we want. I don't want other people. I only want product management talking to me. I don't want support coming to me. I don't want sales coming to me. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> this is why you need that. But I loved your answer. Jason actually had a similar sort of wit witty quip. Who else are you going to blame when pro the product yeah, does not sell? Uh, I thought, I, and I decided I'd start with the two fun ones. 
up front. And I'm not even going to go down into the, 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 the serious part of Jason's answer because I want to get to our new star, Paul. Paul said, strictly speaking, it is not needed. And I actually had a lot of people who, who were, were, were agreeing with him because I've observed companies with consistent growth and even market leadership who had no real product management functions. Product management would be only be added to ensure that success is both ongoing and on purpose. Risks and opportunities are characterized, allowing for prioritization. The value of pricing is understood. So you have a bankable, you have bankable margins being two steps ahead of the competitors and prospective customers. So you can intercept them on your terms instead of reacting with surprise. This is roughly my elevator pitch to folks struggling with the question, and then I allow them to react. Now, here's the question I have for you. There's, there's, there is the role, low, lowercase PNM product management, making the decisions of what to build and, and helping people build the right things. You don't need the department to have that. Then there's the capital P, capital M product management, the actual department, the people doing it. Those companies with consistent growth and even market leadership didn't have the capital P, capital M function, but was somebody doing the lowercase p, lowercase m product management? In, in that particular, the case that's sticking out in my head was an organization that had a, um, a build it and they'll come product that just happened to hit the market a couple of years before data centers became a big thing and it became the preferred solution for power distribution and data centers. None of it was on purpose. They thought this was an industrial product. They thought Ford would, Ford would use it on their assembly lines and they would sell dozens of them. What turned out to be a $100 million business. Um, and they had market leadership for 30 years. So sometimes uh, luck is more important than... Yeah, and, and it, for an organization like that, I would hesitate to ask the question because you would look like Admiral uh, Stockdale at the, what was it, the 96 uh, vice presidential <laughs> debate. Who am I? Why am I here? And everyone would go, I don't know. Um, we, we have a spreadsheet where we capture what customers want and we give that to engineering and they build things. Uh, and, and it kind of worked for them for decades. So let me ask a question. First thing, I am putting you on the list for the most obscure quote and reference <laughs> we've ever had. So that's, that's a, you know, you got that. But when this, was this pivot on purpose or did people just start buying it? They found them. Yeah, customers found them. Uh, they said, we have a particular problem and there just happens to be something on the market that solved it. So there was a solution that tripped into an urgent pervasive problem. <laughs> as opposed to the other way around. Well, you know, uh, Peter Drucker, all right, Steve, I've got my required Peter Drucker quote <laughs> in. Peter Drucker says that in innovation, one of the places you have to look is an unexpected success for innovation. So, you know, in a way, there, and, and there are examples of companies where a customer said, hey, it did not look, that did not look like what they thought their customer was, came and said, hey, we want to buy it. And like, no, we don't sell to you. So I'll give them some success for the fact that when somebody said we want to buy it for this different reason, they're like, okay. And they built a hundred million dollar business out of it. But I, I, I loved your, your take that it's about ongoing and on purpose. Steve, I'd love to get your take on this, you know, lower PM versus big PM. Well, but Calvin raised his hand. Oh, Calvin. I did. I, I see that now. He's Calvin. Sorry. You've got a comment. I did raise my hand. Um, and I, I looked back, two, two things. So I, I looked back at, at the comments on my other screen here and where Greg Fenton had said product management is a functional mindset. And I think that that goes along with what Paul had said. But, you know, I was thinking about this as we we're coming up to this about half an hour ago. And, and, um, and I was reminded of a company that I worked for 20 years ago, which, you know, like the, the example that Paul said, you know, the, you know, I, carved out its own market area and combined with another company. Um, you'll recognize both companies. The company that I worked for was called FedEx. And we, I saw the I saw why product management, you know, either big P or little P was needed 
in, and it was it happened to be in my first role as a product manager. You know, the, the, the short version of the story is that executive management told IT to deliver a product, you know, go out in the market, and then the, um, you know, the service tech, the field techs went out and installed it. Only the product was not complete to give, you know, because it was a, it was a migration of an existing product. To give a, to take away a customer's, uh, or a customer would have an, an existing ability to ship domestically and internationally, and IT delivered a product that did not have that international component. And the field folks were told, go migrate these people, these customers now. And it caused all kinds of problems. And so my first role as a product manager was to come in and, and fix that. that. You know, um, so definitely the a product management function is needed, whether it's a big P or small P. I don't know that that necessarily makes a difference, but the function is is needed. And, and I'd argue that even in companies that have, that are, are the, the leader in their industry, they need that function. Well, so two things. One, Calvin, uh, I have to realize that you actually do your preparation, don't you? You got all the answers up on your screen and you've done your, you thought about it. I, 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 I'm impressed, right? I don't even have the screen. I, I tell you, put my notes in here. So I, I know who to go to now when I look, I'm looking for, you know, what, what did somebody really say? Calvin, you're going to be my go-to for that. I don't know about that. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm still the hard guy. Yeah. <laughs> Second is uh, Graham Rowe actually had put an answer in, uh, which I think did a good job of saying what you said. It's not necessary. However, it's certainly a less risky path to success. Uh, if you prioritize product management accountabilities, building products customers want to buy, it's about the risk management. And Steve and I have both written about the risk management aspect of it. Uh, so I, that's the whole thing. You came in after the risk happened, right? After the risk was created uh, and you had to pick yeah. up the pieces. And if yeah, they I mean, had product management in front, it would have managed that risk. Yeah, customer customers were leaving. You know, customers were, were, um, were demigrating their system. They're saying, you know, take this out of my office. I will go to UPS, I will go to DHL, I will leave you. And they did. I, that's a great anecdote to share when talking about why product management. Steve, yeah. your talks take on the whole big PM versus little PM. Yeah, well, to repeat what some others have said, you know, the, the work is being done. Uh, the question is whether it's being done by the right kind of people and, and the, uh, uh, well, by the right people. Right. And people who know what to do. Yeah. Um, so in the example of, well, we have this spreadsheet of all these ideas and we give that to development. Uh, well, are those good ideas or are those just ideas from salespeople? Uh, you know, I, I talk to a guy is not a statistically relevant survey. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I think what happens is the first product manager, the president, Right. I mean, the founder said to his spouse, you know, I'm I'm going to quit my day job and do this full time if you'll let me, you know. And so he came up with a product or she came up with a product that she needed in her, you know, her daily life. And it was a one product company with one product manager slash founder slash chief cook and bottle washer. Right. And then as they grew, they're like, you know what? I'm not that good of a programmer. Let me hire a specialized programmer. And then a little time goes by and they're like, you know, hey, I really don't like selling. Uh, let me hire my fraternity brother from college to come in and be, you know, the VP of sales. And at some point, the president needs to say, you know what, I'm not working on growing the business. I'm spending all my time uh, brokering deals between development and sales. <laughs> Yeah. And that's when you need somebody in the role. But regardless, I mean, products are being managed, whether they're being managed well or not. And I, I would argue that we would want a dedicated product management role when development doesn't quite know what they should be building and sales doesn't quite know what they should be selling. And worse, when sales is selling something different than what development's building, that we need a product manager or someone in that product management role to 
uh, coalesce the company around a single vision instead of every individual's vision. Yeah. Steve, we've talked about this before. I had a Twitter argument with a product thought. Maybe he's not a product thought leader anymore. He's been in the news <laughs> for some other stuff. Uh, but with a product thought leader on biz product management's a business role versus product management's a technical role. And in the, the example was, was Steve Jobs the product manager for the iPhone, right? And he was like, oh, Apple didn't have product manager on the iPhone. I'm like, yeah, but somebody plays that role. And in that case, it was Steve Jobs. He played that role. And he gave, he, it was his requirements that he gave to, you know, Ivy, or Jonathan Ive, and who designed it and stuff. But it was, Steve Jobs was playing that understanding of the things that it could do and how, we, how they could do it. I actually had a call this week with a, uh, founder, you know, she and her husband founded a company to serve the construction management industry because uh, they're, they, they're in the industry and they found this problem with pre-qualification and they created universal pre-qual and she's the product management. She's the president of the company and she's the pr product manager. And she, and we had that conversation and she realizes it. And I said, as you grow at some point, you need to make a decision. Do I want to be the chief product person or do I want to be the chief executive person? Right. Right. And that has to happen. And, and I, I, I tend to agree. Dharma actually had concurred with Paul's point. I'll get to you in a second, Calvin. And said, you know, the PM functions when established and empowered can make the difference between chasing fires, like Calvin was doing at FedEx, flashing new things constantly, having chasing fires and flashing new things versus having a measurable path to long-term success. And I think that's one of the interesting things about the long-term. It's you know, what, what was the term you used, Paul? It was ongoing and on purpose, I think was the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, which I love. So I, I, I you know, I, this is sort of, a, this is part of the argument I wanted to get into or discussion I wanted to get into was the PM, the function versus PM, the role that's being played, even if there's not somebody in that function. Calvin. Yeah, and I, I think that last sentence kind of is kind of where I was going because a lot of, we've, we've talked about this, I believe, a lot of companies use the PM role as being you know, very different, or you, know, you said differently. Different companies will look at PM and will assign different tasks or have different responsibilities. And when we were speaking, I just you know thought of a, a different role that I had a, a, as, a, as, a, as a PM, where essentially it was, it was sales support. So really mm -hmm. didn't have that, pro, you know, what we would call a, 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 a true product responsibility. So if we're talking about the, the big P versus little P, it's really defining what that, you know, what those are and what they're not. Yeah, and in, you know, some of the toughest places I've been as a product leader is where that CEO was told to split the role and didn't. Hmm. So. Yeah, and my article on, on the, the role of product management, uh, the first three fourths of it are what it's not. Uh, and I've had so many conversations with people who are saying, you know, my, my investors are telling me I need a product manager and, you know, here's my job description, everything under the sun, you know, and it's like, okay, it's not project management. It's not sales engineering. It's not writing words for marketing. You know, uh, so there's a whole long list of things it's not because, but unfortunately, in so many cases, when we bit this master list of here's all the shit that nobody else wants to do, let's call it product manager. Uh, we have no clarity on what the role is uh, until you, you kind of systematically go through and say, you know what, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this. No, exactly. And you know, Jason uh, came around now after his funny part, and I separated the two answers because I, I, I wanted to do sort of joy and Jason's funny stuff to start with. There's many people in the organization can have visions of what the product should be, be and forward progress can be made. However, product management formalizes and centralizes the proce uh, process. It can replace feelings with facts and drive the product growth according to the market needs. And then Anita came in and said, you know, I think one of my key things, it's about doing the right thing. Product management is needed to make sure the right problems are being solved. And, you know, to me that, you know, that goes to the big PM is a role that you acknowledge that, that, but somebody is always making that decision about what's the right thing to do, or somebody should mm -hmm. be making the decision about what the right thing to do is. I think 
in both Calvin and Paul's example, somebody made a decision of what to do and it was the wrong thing. And then Calvin had to go fight the fire in one and the, the Paul's company had to get lucky <laughs> and, uh, and do that type of stuff. Uh, Calvin, you had mentioned Greg's answer. He said, product management is a functional mindset. The market focus, the customer needs, effective product progression, client service orientation, proper pricing and future planning while keeping a steady eye on ROI. I mean, that's business leadership. That's business management, right? Mm -hmm. Now, Joy, we've had a long conversation since our laugh. I want to ask you a question. Why does an organization need product management? Um, so I would say because it's a repeatable process, because it's uh, a proven framework, if you're doing it correctly, um, because yes, I agree, you know, as I said, sometimes I was the first product manager and, you know, a company can go so far, sometimes, co you know, co-founders, entrepreneurs, startups, they have an idea, they start their company you know, they know the market, they know their vision, but they can only take it so far. Um, and that's why I think companies need product management to grow, to grow efficiently um, and to be able to repeat that process. Okay. And you know, Grant, I'm hearing a, a variant of what Joy just said in almost everybody I talk to that we've spent the last 10 years becoming agile. Yeah. We've we've perfected building products and now we're realizing we're building the wrong products. So, you know, who, I don't know who originated the line. I don't think it was me, but um, you know, we know how to build the product, right? Now we need to focus on building the right product. Yeah. And, and I, I said that in my product leadership imperative, but you know, some inside baseball or inside Grant's mind on this and Steve might not remember, but the, <laughs> the reason this was the question was uh i was doing some research on why product management i because i for I do stuff with smaller companies and i call it growth strategy but people said maybe you should just call it product management so i was trying to find how people describe why product management why should you have product management and i searched why product management and every single blog or article on why product management Tell us the story about Procter & Gamble in the 30s or 40s or whenever it was. And then basically fast forwards to is what 2001 and the manifesto. And in 2001, the Agile manifesto came out. Developers were tired of building things that people didn't like and they decided we need to, to turn it into test things, right? So build it and test it, but let's do it in increments. So we're testing along the way to make sure we're getting it right. And I almost had a heart attack. I'm like, what? Agile is the reason of why product management? Agile is, but it explains why product management is a technical role in so many people's views now. Mm -hmm. And yet, let me, let me tell that story a little bit differently. All the, met the development methodologies of the time, you know, in the late nineties, a whole bunch of stuff got created, you know, extreme programming, Scrum, uh, DSDM, Crystal, there was a bunch of stuff created and those guys came together in Utah to, to formalize this Agile Manifesto, but they all were fun, completely aligned on the idea that random acts of management is not the way to build a successful product. And they're getting, you know, a, a a chain of jackasses coming through their office saying, you know, God spoke to me in a dream and we ought to do this thing that has, you know, that, that nobody's going to want. And they said, we're tired of working on things that people don't want. And we have so little confidence in our management that we're not going to do anything for more than two weeks. And we're going to work for two weeks and we'll say, is this it? And they go, oh, no, 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 I was thinking it would be something else. They go, okay, great, see you in two weeks. And they go off and work for two weeks, come back and say, am I getting closer? And it's just like uh, um, Marco Polo is how they feel about building products for today's management. And it's still happening today. 
um, people are coming into the teams that I'm coaching and saying, you know, uh, it just occurred to me this morning that, you know, we ought to have a button. So can you make that happen? <laughs> and you're like, well, yeah, I can get a button on there right away. Do you want it to do anything? You know, do you want it to link somewhere? I mean, give me a hint. Let me work on for two weeks and I'll show you and you can tell me whether I'm close. All those agile methods were predicated on the fundamental belief that management has no idea how to build software. Steve, that goes to that upstream, the upstream story, right? Yes. I tell about great book, uh, one of the Heath brothers uh, upstream. And he tells a story uh, about, you know, being at a park by a river with a friend. And all of a sudden you hear a kid screaming and look, and there's a kid drowning in the river. So he dives in to save the kid, but all of a sudden there's another kid drowning and his friend dives in. And as soon as they get one drowning kid up, there we go, which is Dan Heath, right? Dan. And as he gets a kid to the shore, another one's in there drowning. And all of a sudden he sees his friend not helping save the drowning kids, but running up the river. And he goes, where are you going? We got to save the drowning kids. And his friend goes, I'm going to go upstream and tackle that guy throwing the kids in the water. Right. So often, so many of our solutions are just treating the symptom, right? Oh man, Steve, you helped me tell the story. It set up one of my questions because we're going to talk about symptoms and after this, you did that on purpose, didn't you? You let's, you, you roped me in. Let's remember it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's that's what that is. And so for a developer, what they can control is they can control you know that type of stuff. But that's why product management is needed upstream mm -hmm. to make sure we're working on the right things. So, uh, and you know, one more uh, in defense of development. Wait, I've wait, worked with real, wait, what? Oh, wait. you didn't say defense of sales. <laughs> you said defense of development. Never mind. Yeah. That, so that totally <laughs> makes sense now. <clears throat> I've worked with real, uh, the truth is I've worked with really good salespeople who say, you know, I really like selling products that people want to buy instead of creating the need, right? I've also worked with really good developers who say, you know what, these are our children. You know, we put love into this and it's a minuscule version of this is I'm volunteering right now and working on their website and I will spend three hours trying to get the buttons to line up in just this perfect aesthetic way. And then this jackass comes along and says, could you make the button squarer? And I'm like, shut the hell up and stop calling here. You know, um, that's in my head, but I don't anymore, Stan. <laughs> developers love the work that they do and they hate feeling like they are working on something that's dumb or is not going to do well. That's I, I completely agree. And, and I think it was Paul earlier. See, the cursing is uh allowed and accepted so with that said uh we're going to bring dharma uh Sabranian in he's a long time panelist with us and we're going to move to our poll and i guess i should probably make the poll the whole screen so people can see it steve don't ever let me do this again have a question that we know that it depends is going to be the most answers because that <laughs> just means that i have to read all those answers for our conversation so you know we had the poll go in what is the biggest performance impact a company gains by focusing on doing the right things? And I'm going to openly admit it because I admitted it to the Steve, you know, I, I'm wanting to get to hard things, right? I wanted, we, I asked the question, why product management? And I wanted to get stuff like, because we waste too much budget and we need to improve our profits and we need to understand our value to make our pricing hot. You know, I, I was looking for hard, tangible things, right? And we got all this great conversation on little PM versus big PM and do the right thing. So I'm like, all right, with the poll, I'm going to push it towards hard things, right? And actually the conversation Steve and I had when making the poll, I'm like, contribution margin and net present value and ROI. And Steve's like, huh? I don't know what some of those I, things are. I don't know what any of those words mean. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, grow revenue. He's like, okay, I, I get that. Grow profits, grow market share, grow usage and engage, engagement and the catch-all of it depends slash other. Boy, we got a lot. It, it depends. One, uh, five people voted for it. Grow and that's, and a, that's a, 
a new thing. I mean, we've never had it depends when the poll. No, we didn't. And, and as I said, for, for my preparation's sake, I wish we didn't because that means there's a whole bunch of notes. That, normally I have like two lines on this slide in my notes. I've got like paragraphs, right? And, and we're gonna get to the best it depends answer in a little while, Joy. Uh, but the other thing that was interesting to me, it was Dharma, welcome. Dharma chickened out. He just said all of the above, right? <laughs> I didn't Dharma. chicken out. I mean, that's like the, uh... <laughs> You know, that's like the rule. You know, what can I say? The the holy grail, right? You want well, everything. But it's, I'm looking for the biggest, right? What's the top? Dharma's just saying up and to the right, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know, uh, John Snow, a good friend of mine, who's who uh, who's been in our uh, product leaders and transition. He said, "Grow usage and engagement." Now, he is very big on short anti-short-term revenue and profits. And, and in many of our conversations, you can it comes out that his view is that revenues can be goosed by the wrong things, revenues and profits. And you know that's why it shouldn't be what it is. We need to be long-term uh, for revenue and profits. He would flip it to that. But in the, in, in the, if, if we're not long-term, usage and engagement is the key thing we need to be doing because that, those become the key material things that can help grow what's going on. So uh, Graham came in and said, it depends on what the right things are, given the market, the comp company maturity, market maturity, et cetera. Put another way, an early stage startup likely has different focus with respect to performance than the companies that mature sector. Calvin agreed with it. Uh, I agreed with it. Steve, this is why you put, you, we said we have to have independence, isn't it? I think so. It is. I. I <laughs> Steve said, it, it is, it depends. The, the right answer is it depends because mm -hmm. where you are in the life cycle, Indeed. what you're good, what you, what you should be, the impact you should be focusing on can be different. And I remember a, a, a whole lot of times when I've sat down with a leadership team and said, so pick, pick one. Do you want revenue, profit, or market share? And they're like, oh, we want all of those. And you're like, well, those are entirely different strategies. I mean, if you want market share, then we can sell it for a dollar and get a lot of market share. You know, if you want profits, then we can sell it for a million dollars and get a lot of profits, but it will only sell one. Uh, and it's just kind of like quick, easy, or fast. No, quick, easy, cheap. You know, which which one or two of those do you want? Yeah. Well, and, and, and along that line, uh, Frank Tate, longtime friend, uh, what he did was in his prioritization at the, at the sort of initiative level, basically those, it was short-term profits, long-term profits, short-term revenue, long-term revenue, uh, strategic. And it was, every, everything was weighted and they, and he would say, if you know, we can change these weights and you're going to get different answers of what we should do. If it's all weighted evenly, here's what we get. If you want to prioritize one or the other, here's what happens. And it was a great foundation for having that conversation. So I, I you know, I, that was sort of where my head was. Calvin, you said uh, you agreed with him on Depends. Are you now looking at your notes? Yes. <laughs> at least one of us came prepared. <laughs> That's the fun of it. No, but. That's you, the great thing about Calvin. He's very organized. Yeah. So. Calvin, I just was asking, did you have more that you wanted to comment on that? I mean, I, I guess it's, I, I go back again to, to Graham. It depends on what the right things are. Yeah. And I mean, like we, we, you mentioned, you know, where you are in the life cycle, where you, you know, so it really depends on what the focus, what the focus should be. And, and um, I mean, I, th I think, Though, and this is kind of where I, you know, where I was going with my comment is that, you know, I, I learned pretty quickly as, as an entrepreneur that if you don't grow revenue, you don't have a business. So there's Profitable always revenue. this focus on the, you know, on, on uh, making sure there's revenue growth, you know, but barring that, you know, you know, it's like assuming that that's not an issue, like, you know, the example of FedEx or the example of the company that, that uh, Paul had, had alluded to. You know, if revenue is not a not a problem, then some of these, you know, 
then there, there's an opportunity to address um, other areas. And, and I, I want to say profitable revenue is key because I've, I've had places where people grew unprofitable revenue and that's not a good, it's sort of like the, the office, right? We, we lose money on each deal, but we're going to make it up in quantity. <laughs> yeah. Before we get to Joy, Dharma, I want to ask if you, you know, as we've had this conversation, you know, talk about all of the above. I, I used it to make fun of you, but I want to give you a chance to sort of explain more than just that. Yeah. So the reason I said that uh, all of the above is usually when you're talking about revenue or profit, there's you know some kind of a trade-off that that you're debating, right? I remember uh, in my own experience where uh, as we grew revenue uh, in one of my earlier companies, we saw that the marginal cost was getting higher, and therefore we, we were, it was eating into the mar into the into our gross profits. Which was not great because it, you know, it's it was decreasing valuation. It was decreasing our ability to execute further um, and higher, etc. So we had to make some very conscious trade-off over mm -hmm. the next year to kind of bring that into balance. So if you're making the right decisions, then obviously you're going to be impacting everything. And the user, user, user number of users and adoption, etc., is kind of a sub-signal that goes into revenue attraction and retention. And that's why I said, you know, I kind of made a bold you know, statement of everything. I, I, I appreciate, I just wanted to, I, I didn't want to just make a joke about it. I wanted to give yeah. you the floor to, to talk about it. All no, right. Thank you. We're now getting to, I had two, you know, I, I originally going into this conversation, my, it depends was Graham's answer, right? It depends where you are in the life cycle, that type of stuff. Joy, joy comes in and just really pushed my thinking with one word, morale. I felt strongly about it. <laughs> I, so strongly it only took one word. I mean, dang, you know, I draw, I write paragraphs just trying to explain myself. Talk to me about morale. Um, as I've mentioned before, I've worked at a lot of different companies. And so when I saw this question, to me, it's doing the right thing raises morale, which raises performance and not doing the right thing lowers morale and that lowers performance. And I've seen it to various degrees at many different companies. I just, I don't know why companies don't do the right thing. It just doesn't make sense to me. And by the right thing, it's just the right thing, no matter where you are or what you're doing or what you're talking about, just do the right thing and everybody feels good. They feel better about themselves. They feel better about the product, about the company, about the leadership, about the customers. I mean, it's- And the customers feel that. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so wait, you're saying so product management is actually a team sport. <laughs> you know, I'm reminded, Joy, of a book I read forever ago, Carl Sewell of Sewell Cadillac in Dallas. <laughs> wrote a book called Customers Come Second. And it flipped everybody out. They're like, oh no, your customer's number one. He said, employees come first. Because he had so much experience with the boss, you know, picking on an employee who picks on the next customer. Yeah. And, you know, look back, for instance, look at Atlanta Airport. I mean, when it was in the operation, I assume, I don't know if, people are flying yet, but there's a hundred percent of the people in Atlanta airport who do not want to be there. The passengers don't want to be there. The employees don't want to be there. Management doesn't want to be there. I mean, morale problem all over the place. And yet everybody in the South has to go through Atlanta to go anywhere. Um, but anyway, the moral of my story is I, I, I agree fervently, you know, morale is such a bellwether for everything else going in the company. If you're in a sales driven company and we're being jerked around left and right by deal of the day, the developers express that in morale and they're like, you know what, screw this place. I'm going to leave it five on the dot. And you can tell. Um, and when, you know, you've got a command and control culture, everybody's like, you know, you can tell by talking to people. And in some of my coaching, I can so tell where companies are broken. And yet when you, you, you clearly have this experience when you talk to a company that is mission driven 
and they know they're working on the right thing and they're super excited. I mean, it just, everything is better. And that, that, that's the experience I had with the design team with product management earlier for my one client. And, and Steve, this is what you talked about, what, you know, salespeople want to sell a winning product. Developers want to build a winning product, mm-hmm. right? They want things to succeed. They want to do that. Uh, actually, you know, Anita came in this morning and said she likes Joey's answer the best, the morale of all stakeholders, internal and external. Paul, you agreed with this as well. The human cost of repeatedly doing the wrong thing builds with compound interest. I love that quote. Nice. <clears throat> You know, have you felt that? I, using my, my Rainbird example, um, a couple of months in, I, I took over an additional role and was almost immediately asked, hey, go find out why our sales aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing so far this year. So, great, I don't even know what this product is, but let me go figure out what's wrong with it. Uh, the first couple of salespeople I spoke with, uh, their responses started with a sigh. Hey, what's going on in your territory with this? See, do you know the history here? Um, (laughs) For five years, they had probably four or five different product managers on this that all took haphazard shots from the hip. So they were late to market. They had an incomplete lineup at launch. They uh, had quality problems that they ignored and denied uh, and then just up the price and promotions on it and, and got some marginal share. Uh, and so it's not a popular thing to go back to senior management and say that uh, the reason that we, we don't have sales is there's a pervasive lack of confidence in the product internally. And, um, and so they took a period of time I had a little blip in my audio there. It was, you guys still hear me? I hear you now. You had a blip at your back. It's a, it, it wasn't a popular thing to say that, okay, well, it's not a matter. We need to go do this other promotion, yet another promotion. Yep. Um, a matter of, I, I need to figure out a way to get into the hearts and minds of our internal people first. They're not, they're not excited to go talk to somebody. <laughs> Uh, they go out and they go, they bow their heads when they're like, oh, and I have you thought about me using this on this project? Nobody was excited about but something as simple as uh, restarting that conversation, having the tough conversation internally that like, hey, everyone ignored what we've been saying for five and to be willing to say, okay, put it on my shoulders. And if we find out this isn't viable, I'll that hard conversation and say kill it and put our resources somewhere else that's an important conversation to have both internally but externally i've fallen on many swords uh when i inherited something after five years of the wrong stuff so i that's that's a great that's a great story i want to keep us moving forward and move to our first question Uh, you know and and here's the, the symptoms right what are the most visible symptoms of an organization that needs product management right they may be Paul's company that had a product that was targeting at one segment and they really should have been targeting another, but what are the, what are the symptoms? You know, morale, we've talked about that as one of them. That would be what made me think about what other symptoms are, are, are there? No sales. No sales. So <laughs> it, 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 it directly, a symptom is a sales problem. Mm-hmm. And, and so often they, somebody will see a sales problem and what's the executive going to do? Hire more salespeople. Hire, Hire more salespeople, get sales training, and get a new sales leader, right? To, to Paul said it in the rainbird, right? You know, this is not selling. It doesn't need just yet another promotion, right? It's about people realizing that, you know, these are not tactical things. These are strategic things. So I, I, sales is one of them. Morale is one of them. What else? Never finishing a release. Uh, yep. So t- you have an idea and it never gets to market. Yeah, I joined a firm, uh, my, the only real startup experience I had, and the president said, you know, you've got to do something about development. We've gone 18 months without a release. And so I went into development and I said, hey, guys, I hear you suck. Um, <laughs> what's going on you know and they said uh well we're practicing a thing we call requirements aging 
we don't work on anything for a month. You know, let it age a while and see if it's still a top priority a month from now. And as we're having the conversation, the VP of development comes in and says, guys, stop what you're doing. I'm getting new requirements. Turns out every Monday, the leadership team got together and brainstormed a whole new roadmap. And so, you know, a weekend, I'm actually, you know, I'm not even like a director here. I'm a, just a product manager. I go back to leadership and say, I found the problem. It's you guys. You need to shut the hell up for a year and let development finish something because one sentence from you is months of work for them. And I can get us on a quarterly release cycle if you will just take yourself out of the loop. And so, by the way, I have I have told the developers to not listen to anything you say. If you have a requirement, you can come to me or you can throw it out the window. Uh, but developers are not going to work on any specials for anybody in this room. And they're like, well, Steve, you know, you got to understand sometimes it's important to be an asshole, you know, and I'm like, well, you're proving that now. But ultimately, we had a we had a release 10 weeks later and we and it, we, we started releasing so quickly that sales and marketing says you need to slow down. We can't handle the speed of change. So for me, a company that can't ship is very similar to Joy's point about morale. And they're, they're, they're intertwined. It's not the developers who are who are gold plating anything. It's constantly shifting requirements based on strategy du jour. I'll extend on that one, Steve, and say it's it's the failure rate. And you know, look at the rate of success in the market, right? Have you had you are releasing, you've had 10 releases and none of them hit their numbers. <laughs> right? Good point. I've had expectations. So But you can't hit your numbers if you can't release. Yeah. I agree. I was extending. So for those who do release, you know, the, whether it's Clayton Christensen talking about 76% of new products don't ever get released, right? I think he said something like 40% never got released. And of those that do, 60% of them never make their, or 60%, whatever the flip is. Yeah. And yet uh, going back to today's topic, you know, the, the agile, the, the lean startup thing says, you know what? Just build some stuff, see what happens. And then, you know, listen to the market and then pivot or adapt or whatever and do that over and over again. Uh, and that doesn't work either. Once in a while, a it does work for a company. It's just like Paul's experience, but that doesn't work a ton. But Calvin. Starts, let's start with product management and a problem. Exactly. Dharma, Calvin, thoughts? <laughs> My my thought was along the lines of Steve related to uh, to the go to market activities, but I think his his example is, is so much more um, yeah, he's robust than than what I was going to provide. That I, I would just say you know and leave that that. Wait wait, you're going to say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dharma. Yeah, I think. I think the need for you know product management is to kind of systematize the stuff that can create sustainable value, right? Sustainable um, is such a critical word there. Paul used ongoing when in his de right. definition of it. I completely agree. Right. And whether you're a first, you know, first product, one product company growing the you know Jeffrey Morris curve, or you know, you're trying to become a multi-product company where you're trying to kind of optimize based on the PCG curves, right? It's it's important that you have a systematic process that you can use to prioritize your investments. And without mm -hmm. product management, it, you know, to Steve's point, it becomes a shouting match. No, and, and I think the ongoing thing is key. And for me, I always, you know, are you stuck in a growth rut, right? I Multiple times I've been at companies that had a huge, big platform product. And they milked it and they milked it and they milked it. And they finally realized it was, oh, sh shit, what's happening? It's, you know, we're declining. It's, it's flat. Price increases were the only growth they had. Then they started another product. But all of a sudden, when it went into decline, it was losing tens of millions of revenue a year. A new product, even a successful one, was like 2 million, 5 million. And you couldn't, that gap couldn't be there. Mm -hmm. And it's like, worst case scenario, you'll get into that death spiral. Right. Yeah. But, you know, 
before that, you're in that growth rut. You're in that flat period. And you should have started the next curve before that. But to me, if you're stuck in a growth rut, right? You've built a product. You had success. Growth was happening. And all you have is random acts of growth. Not sustainable. You got a product management problem. You need, that's the symptom. You need product management. So. Mm-hmm. I, well, I would say that a little differently. I would say you have a product strategy problem. Uh, My solution to that problem is product management. I, I like that. I like that clarification there. We're going to be quick on this one. It's a pretty quick question. It's more rhetorical than anything else. So when you get the lightning round, is product management the right name for what role we're discussing? Right now, I'm going to say part of the problem is that product management has been co-opted by the dark side and all these tech centric VCs call product management product owner, right? It's a technical, it's a subservient role to to development. And so I don't like that, but is product management, is it calling it product management, not giving it the right name? Bain calls it offering management. Which always sounds to me like proposal management. But is it the right name? Well, I'm going to have to vote no for offering, but keep going. No, is product management the right name? Do we just have to retake it? Well, you know, I, I, I don't know if we can, but here's the funny part. Uh, you, you know, I'm old, right? I mean, what we used what? to call I mean, I know it's hard to imagine. We well, never talk about that. What you and I think of as product management, Peter Drucker called marketing. Yeah. And marketing is another label that has been co-opted by the communications people. And so, you know, I majored in marketing and expected to come out and start, you know, determining whether we should build new products or, or go after new markets. And they said, oh, marketing. Yeah, that's where, you know, T-shirts come from. So I quickly learned that product management in those days was what I learned in college as marketing or brand management. Yeah, yeah. And now I wonder, I mean, the things actually, let's do it another way. The things that we've been talking about today are what I think of as product strategy. Yeah. Which is a role of product management. I think of it as a role of product management or frankly, you know, strategic marketing. But um, that's why in my roles discussion, I break it down into um, uh, strategy planning the next release and growing the product we have now as three distinct uh, roles within whatever this thing is called. Yeah, I I get it. Joy. I think it is the right word. I think it's very unfortunate, so unfortunate that the term product owner popped up in agile development because Mm -hmm. I feel like product managers own the product. (laughs) They are responsible and accountable for the product. Um, It's just unfortunate because product owner created just this great confusion about the two. I understand the role of product owner. I've worked at companies who have product product owners. I think that there is a need for product owners with Agile to work on the stories, keep the developers up to date and on the spot. I think that's great. I just wish they had a different title. I, uh, I, I, I could go I, back in time. I, 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 t- I, I tend to ag- agree completely. Paul, Calvin, Dharma, any thoughts on this? I, I, I think this is kind of near and dear to my heart because I, I graduated uh, from engineering school at a time where electrical engineering and computer engineering and computer science were all just kind of meshing together. It was very difficult for me to not become a computer guy. Um, I still think they're a fad, it's gonna go away. Um, but uh, I spent probably the first 10 years of my, of my engineering career or my only 10 years before I went to the dark side um, of explaining to someone, yes, I have an electrical and computer engineering degree. No, I'm not gonna fix your printer. Uh, no, I'm not gonna do whatever. Yes, I can kind of program, but Really, I live in the world of physics and, and real things, not compilers and, and fake man-made rules. And, and so the fact that I, I turned to the marketing side and, and had to explain to people, no, sometimes marketing listens to the customer instead of just being a megaphone going back out to the customer and, 
and like Steve said, handing out T-shirts and, and going to trade shows with hands. Um, so it, to me, it's a natural state. I, I don't I don't mind it. I, but we just have to win it back. We have to win the word back. We're gonna come, we're gonna have a campaign, Steve. I've actually got a strategy for it, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take back product management. I, I like some of uh, some of Steve's uh, materials where he goes about doing descriptive product growth manager, and yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Internally, when when someone says, uh, um, "So I'm not sure exactly what you do here," that's that's what I do is I, I create my own moniker internally as. <laughs> I'm the guy who, XYZ, I, just like we mentioned on Mondays, uh, you are the product. Why? Yeah. I get to sell whatever this is internally uh, to whoever I want to. And I might have different answers to different people. No, I, I, it's, so I'm, we're going to do this. We're going to take it back. My, my, my daughter plays bass and is like into punk now. I'm going to have her write a punk anthem <laughs> for us about taking back product management. And we're going to go to war. We're, we're going to bring this thing back. So with that said, it, oh gosh, we're hitting the time. It's time for lightning round and we really need to be lightning on this thing. And it's a question that's probably not really a good lightning round, but I'm gonna ask for like a word or phrase for a company without product management, where's the best place to start? How do, how do we get them into understanding this wonderful role we love and we wanna fight for? Dharma. Oh, probably if they have a marketing, I would probably start there. Um, okay, so where in the company to start? Marketing is a great place. Get them more strategic. I love how yeah. that, that's a. I hadn't thought about that approach, but that that's great. Uh, Calvin, yeah, it is, it, I hadn't I I hadn't gone there, but in the last question, I started thinking about how in different companies, product management sits in different places or sits in, in their own place. So, may I, I? I think marketing is probably a good place to start because they are a lot of the marketing responsibilities are designed around understanding customer needs and you have that market research yeah. uh, functionality that sits in marketing. So that might not be a bad place to start. Okay. And, and we, we're open to things other than departments to start this. Yeah. Paul. Um, my gut feel would be to, to first ask them or, or say to them, here's the three or four kinds of problems I solve. What's the biggest pain? Those do any of those resonate so that, with you? Get, in, get, get them to realize the best place to start is that they've got problems they need to solve yeah. and have in, them be emotionally vested in it right off the bat. I okay, I love it. So, how product management helps solve their problems. Yep, awesome. Joy, well, when I read the question, my first thought, and if I had answered first, I would have said, Well, hire a product manager. <laughs> start, but we need to get to them to that point. Um, but if we're talking departments or internally, where to start, you know, with the lower P, lower M product management function, I would say customer support. They know what's really going on. They know what the customers are saying. They okay. know what's the product. This question went in a whole different direction than I was expecting, Steve. <laughs> I'm going to take it a, a, a fifth direction. So, um, as a new product manager in a company without product management, I would start with a product canvas and okay. create an artifact that says, this is what we do here because half the companies I visit have no idea. Everybody has their own perspective on what the product actually is. Awesome. What my answer is gonna be, I'm gonna start with getting the senior leadership CEO, whoever to understand that these problems they keep throwing, these random acts of growth that aren't working that they're throwing tactics at are really because they've got a product strategy problem. Uh, and That's they need to do something. Yeah. They need to do something about that. And with that said, hey, we do this every week, right? Monday, the question goes up in the community, and each week somebody new comes up and blows our mind. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Joy. Actually, Joy was the poll that happens on Wednesday, and on Friday we have these amazing calls that just really, really make me think and take us in different directions. So, thank you guys so much, Calvin, Joy. Paul, welcome to your first one. You did great. Dharma, my friend, Steve. Guys, have a great weekend. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week in the community. Take care. Have a great weekend, guys. Good weekend, yeah. Thanks for listening to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week. If you haven't yet, go to your Apple, Android, or favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. 
For more great content and to participate in the Topic of the Week conversations, go to community.productgrowthleaders.com and join the conversation. You should be focusing on can be different. And I remember a, a, a whole lot of times when I've sat down with a leadership team and said, so pick, pick one. Do you want revenue, profit, or market share? And they're like, oh, we want all of those. And you're like, well, those are entirely different strategies. I mean, if you want market share, then we can sell it for a dollar and get a lot of market share. You know, if you want profits, then we can sell it for a million dollars and get a lot of profits, but it will only sell one. Uh, and it's just kind of like quick, easy, or fast. No, quick, easy, cheap. You know, which which one or two of those do you want? Yeah. Well, 